Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. Um, <laughs> man, I love you guys so much. Um, man, so last week, thank you for letting me be sick. Um, I just, I just couldn't really say a lot of words. And so I uh, talked to Jesus. I said, hey, man, we just need to pray. I was like, we just need to pray together as like a church. And I think we stumbled upon something really cool last, uh, last Sunday. And uh, I'm not going to make any like crazy promises, but I really think that like the first Sunday of every year should just be like a prayer and worship Sunday. I don't know. I haven't talked to anybody about that, but I just thought that'd be, that'd be cool. And I don't know, maybe doing some of those throughout the year, I think would be really cool too. So uh, thank you for letting me do that. And so today um, I'm going to do a mixture of what I was going to do last Sunday and then today uh, being in Genesis. And so uh, just so you know, just kind of what the screens say today, we're actually starting a new series called Radical Obedience. And if you can see the little byline at the bottom, maybe you can't, it says, in the everyday. So radical obedience in the everyday. And so whenever I say the word radical obedience, what do you think of? Like what comes to your mind? Maybe you think of Chloe Wright going to Australia. Like that sounds like radical obedience. Like that's crazy. Or maybe you think of someone going to Africa <clears throat> or Brazil or Spain. Maybe you think of some missionary that's just like radically obedient, doing something somewhere else, something crazy. But what does it look like to have radical obedience in the everyday? Like what does it look like to be led by the Holy Spirit and led by God to have this heart of obedience to him in every single day of our life and, and everything that God asks us to do? And so as we look at that together, we're actually going to see that obedience to God really begins with a heart of worship. Obedience to God begins with a heart of worship. And the heart of worship is really the title <clears throat> and the focus of the message today of like how can we have this heart of worship to the Lord that leads us to radical obedience to him in every day of our life. And so we're going to be reading in Genesis chapter 4. So go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 4. And we're going to read the first couple of verses. But as you turn there, um, again, I just want to encourage you about the Bible reading that we're doing. And uh, hopefully some of you have enjoyed the Bible reading that we did this week. And if you didn't read this week, that's okay. This is a new week. So just pick it back up. That's totally okay. Uh, we're going to have new people coming in throughout the year. And, and here's the thing. I'm going to tell you something that no one else is going to tell you about starting this year, okay? Start this year expecting to fail. Isn't that encouraging? Start this year expecting to fail at your Bible reading or at whatever in life. It makes things so much easier to pick back up. And so expect to fail, but man, pick it back up. And, and the thing is, is like anyone who joins us or anyone who's like, man, I had a bad week in my Bible reading. Okay, cool. Let's just start the new week. Because the last thing I want anyone to do is like not come to church because they feel shamed that they didn't do their Bible reading. Like, I don't want someone to be like, oh, I'm going to avoid church because they're going to ask me and, and they're going to like, did you do your Bible reading? And I'm going to have to say no. I don't want anyone to like skip out on church because of that. So let me just say this. We are no one to like judge, but as believers, it is our responsibility to hold each other accountable. And so there is a good thing to looking at each other and say, hey, how'd your Bible reading go this week? And if you go, man, it just, it's just really bad that's okay. Or man, it was okay and it was good. Okay, cool. Tomorrow, 
is always another week. Tomorrow is always another day. And so I just want to encourage you with that because when I look at 2023, man, we're going to need some wisdom together. We're going to need the Lord's wisdom. And so what better way to get the Lord's wisdom than from his word together. And so we're going to go ahead and read Genesis chapter 4, which was actually part of our Bible reading this week, which is cool. Um, And so we're going to go ahead and just start in verse 2 together. Uh, So really before verse 2, you kind of have Genesis 3 where it talks all about um, Adam and Eve in the garden and it just talks about their whole journey in there. And then um, it talks about in verse 1 how Adam and Eve came together and they gave birth to Cain and to Abel. uh, Because in verse 2 it says later she gave birth to his brother Abel. So Cain was born and then Abel. Then it says now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions with some of them firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let us go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Cain said, I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood with your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be restless, a restless wanderer on the earth. Then verse 13, Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. And then verse 15 is the last one we'll read. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. And so we see this, and again, it's just the story is is just fascinating to me. Because again, in chapters 2 and 3, you kind of have this peek into the life of what it looked like to live inside of the garden. Well, then you have Adam and Eve that fall, and then sin comes into the world. And then we get a peek at the beginnings of what life was like now that sin had entered the world. And what life was like outside of the garden. And then what's interesting as you look at the entirety of chapter 4, the beginning and the end all start with worship. The beginning is about these these two people worshiping the Lord and their heart for worship. And then at the very end of chapter 4, it talks about this man named Seth. And when he was there and... When he was there, all the people began to praise the Lord and call on the name of the Lord. So chapter 4 begins and ends with worship. 
And then again, you have Abel and you have Cain, and they're both bringing these offerings to the Lord. And, and Abel has this like humble heart and, and this heart that's like, man, by faith, I want to give the Lord the best of what I have. By faith, I want to give the, the firstborn of my flock and, and give that to him. And, and I'm going to do it with a posture of worship and knowing that God is worthy of this because really he's the giver of life. So I'm going to give him the best that I have. And then you have Cain who also gives uh, this, this offering, but in the eyes of the Lord, it wasn't with the right posture, with the right heart of worship, with the right humility, with the right faith. And so Abel was righteous in the eyes of God and, and Cain was not. And so what I want you to see is this simple obedience. So the very first point that we have is simple obedience is actually radical obedience. This simple obedience of saying, Lord, like, I simply just want to give the best that I have. Lord, I simply just want to give it to you. Lord, I simply just want to have this, this heart of worship, this, this posture that just gives to you. And as a believer, man, I want to and I should want to be radically different than the world. And you see, <clears throat> obedience to the Lord is radically different than what the world does. This simple obedience of saying, Lord, like you are my guide. Lord, you're the one telling me what to do. Lord, I'm going to follow your word. That is radically different than what the world does than what a non-believer does. So as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, man, really to simply obey the Lord is to be simply radical in obedience to him. And so when we think about radical obedience, it's this simple obedience uh, to the Lord. And so I just want to make some things personal as we just look at chapter 4 and, and we look at the story of Cain and Abel. You see, our heart of worship should really be a heart of adoration, a heart of saying like, Lord, in humility, I just bow down to you. And I want to do everything that I can to obey you and, and, and have you lead me in wherever you want me to go. But there are times that things happen and our heart of worship is just not there. Like there are times where things happen or situations come across our way and we're just like, you know what, I just really don't feel like it. Right now I'm really going through the worst. Right now I'm really going through all of this and I just, I really just don't want to have this simple obedience, this simple heart of worship. And so whenever that happens, we have to be able to evaluate our own hearts and understand where we are. Again, I'm thinking about Abel and Cain. I'm just thinking about like what would have happened if, if one of them, if especially Cain, would have evaluated his own heart before approaching the Lord. You see, because every time we gather together, whether that's a Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, whatever, whenever we gather, then we have to be able to evaluate our, our own heart and say, man, I want to approach God intentionally. Like I want to approach him intentionally and, and give him my praise and, and give him everything that I have, even if it's this much today. Because sometimes it just feels like this much. But Lord, I just want to approach you intentionally. And so I just want to challenge myself and, and I just want to challenge us today if you just allow me. But like how do we prepare our heart for worship? How do we prepare our heart for a Sunday, a Wednesday, a Thursday? How do we prepare ourselves to hear from God and to love others when we enter and when we gather together? You see, I just wonder how many of us actually make it a point to approach God intentionally and how many of us when we do gather and whatever that looks like, 
intentionally think through, man, I want to hear from God and I want to love others. Again, just to challenge even a little bit more, like how many of us would come to church or how many of us would go to a small group and say, man, I'm going to sit here and I'm just going to wait to be served. I'm not going to move a muscle. I'm just going to look straight because I'm deserving to be served all the time, 100%. Rather than coming into church or a small group or whatever and saying, yes, I want to be served. Yes, I need to hear from God. But I have a responsibility to see if there's someone new who I don't know. I have a responsibility to get to know someone who I've seen maybe for a little bit. But I really don't know their story. I don't know where they come from. And so I just wonder how many of us need to evaluate our heart and say, you know, maybe I've been coming to church for a long time only waiting to be served. What kind of heart posture is that? What kind of heart of worship is that to just say, man, I am the one who should be worshipped because they should come to me. Rather than coming in and saying, man, with so much humility, especially as a follower of Jesus, especially as a follower of Jesus for a long time, I mean, I should come in and I should be the one walking around trying to find someone to say hello to. I should be understanding of saying, man, maybe I don't have it all together today or, or maybe a lot of things happened this past week. But I know that God wants to use my presence, my smile, my hello to be able to look at someone and minister to them, to pray for them, to be able to lead them or, or just sit down and just simply say, I see you. I see you, and I just want to be intentional and say, like, your presence matters. You are here. And, again, maybe some of you are not as big extroverts than others, or maybe some of you are having a really terrible week, and it's like, man, I just really don't feel like doing that. I just want to highlight, again, because that's okay and that happens. But I just want to highlight how whenever we have and evaluate this, this heart of worship to just do the simple things of obedience... And those simple things really make a radical and transformative impact. Because think of those times where someone has actually approached you. Just the simple task of approaching and saying, hey, like, I really don't remember your name. And I just want to make sure that you're seen and, and I just want to smile and just, I just want to hear your story. And I know this sounds super simple, but like, Seriously, think of how many times we've maybe come to church and just said, man, I'm the one who needs to be served and worshiped rather than the Lord, rather than loving other people. And again, I just, I want to bring us back to reading the word of God because simple obedience is doing those little things that maybe shouldn't be radical, but they kind of are. And I want you to think about reading the word of God and how radical it is to read the word of God and to be led by the word of God. Like, I just want you to think of how much wisdom there is of just hearing from the Lord and his word and practicing what he says. Like, whenever we do that, we are these wise children. And again, I truly believe that in 2023, we're going to have to be really, really wise because of what God might do in us and through us. We're going to have to be wise and seek him. And, and I just, you know, I just hear all the time, like, pastors and, and, and Christians go, you know, I just don't really think anyone's, like, reading the Bible. And I'm like, okay, are you going to do anything about it? And they're like, no. And I was like, okay, then I don't want to hear it. I really don't. But what we're going to do as a church together is we're going to say out loud, hey, I don't really think a lot of us read the Bible every day. And we're going to go, cool, let's do something about it. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to encourage one another. We're going to commit together to read the living word of God. And just saying, man, we're going to fail. So we're going to expect that. We're going to fail. And it's going to be okay. But we're going to continue to allow the Lord to work in our lives as we read, read the word. Not, not, yeah, read the word. Because when we read the word, man, we directly hear from God. We allow the Holy Spirit to communicate to us. We see how God has communicated to people before and how he can communicate to us today. We can see God's character, God's will, God's purpose. And man, and he just shows us who he is. And again, as we look at Cain and Abel and how they brought offerings to the Lord, what they were trying to do was to magnify God. And whenever we read the word of God, you know what we're doing? We are magnifying God. We are magnifying him. We are really trying to just see him and just see how great and how big he is. Because the more we know of God, the more it just inspires us to worship him. You see, there's, this, there's a story that I heard, I think it was during Christmas time, someone told me this story. But there is this, uh, this father and this son that they were walking together. And, you know, they were just walking outside and it wasn't too cold. And they're walking outside and all of a sudden this plane flies over them. And the son is like, hey, dad, how big are airplanes? Like, look at that thing. And the dad was like, well, how, how big do you think an airplane is? And the son was like, well, I think it's like that big. And the dad was like, really? You think it's that big? They're like, yeah, look at it. It's just like that big. And the dad was like, okay. So then the next couple weeks, they, they go to this like air base because where I'm from, there's like this Air Force base. And um, the father and the son go, and they go to an airplane, and the son is like, dad, this airplane is huge. I can't even see like where it starts or where it ends. Like that's a really big airplane. And the dad was like, yeah, that's a really big airplane, isn't it? It's just the reason the airplane was just like this big when you saw it is because it was really far away. He goes, but the, the closer you look, the closer you get to it, the more you realize just how big the airplane is. And I was like, huh, that's a cool sermon illustration one day. And here it is. Well, that was it. And so the more, <laughs> the more, we, the more we read the word, and the more God just becomes bigger and greater because we're like, dude, our Father, like our God Almighty is just huge. And the more we read the word, the more we get to know him. And so, again, once you look at the story of Cain and Abel, not only did they magnify God as they were trying to give these offerings, but also whenever we read the word, the same thing happens when Abel and Cain were trying to give these offerings. It redirects our priorities. It redirects our priorities. And so whenever we look at like Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where it says that we must seek the kingdom first. Whenever I'm, I'm reading scripture and I'm just reading and I'm like, Lord, like, forgive me because I haven't sought your kingdom first. The simple obedience of every day waking up saying, Lord, help me just see through your lens, not mine. The simple obedience of, Lord, I just want to be righteous in your eyes and, and give me a heavenly perspective, please. Because right now I have a Misael perspective or an earthly perspective or a very Tulsa perspective. Lord, give me a heavenly perspective to seek your kingdom first. And talking about priorities, I'm not going to call anyone out here, okay? But I'm just going to give you an, exa an example. So don't feel personally attacked. So, did you know that reading your Bible for 15 minutes a day 
is about an hour and 45 minutes a week, which is about 5.8 hours a month, which is about 70 hours a year. Okay, so in total, 70 hours. So don't feel called out here. It's just the math. And if I did my math wrong, don't kill me. So compare that to like social media stuff. The average person, according to Google, the expert, the average person spends about two hours and 30 minutes a day on their phone, on social media. That is about 16.1 hours a week and 64 0.4 hours a month, which roughly is 772.8 hours a year. So I'll just leave that there. I'll just leave that there. Don't feel personally attacked. Simple obedience, right? Simple obedience is, is pretty radical of picking this up more times than and we're all we're all guilty of that. I'll put myself in your shoes. I mean, I'm guilty of that. Simple obedience is radical obedience. Uh, so the next thing I want us to see just from the story of, of Cain and Abel is immediate obedience is also radical obedience. Immediate obedience is radical obedience. And we see this from verses 9 to 15. Because in verses 9 to 15, we have this moment where Cain has killed Abel. And Abel, in verse 9, is confronted by the Lord. It says, then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother, Abel? And Cain, instead of going, hey, Lord, you know what? You see all things. I killed him. I really did. Here's what I did and here's why. Instead of doing that, Cain just avoids the whole thing. And he goes, what are you talking about? I don't know. I don't know, man. Why are you asking me? I'm not the one watching over him. I'm, I'm not his guardian. I'm not his mom. I'm not his dad. I'm just his brother. What are you talking about? And the Lord who sees all things, he says, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out from the ground. And so whenever we read this story and we're like, man, Cain was given the opportunity to repent and obey before the Lord. And it just shows me again just how gracious God is. Because inside the garden, God could have just wiped them all out and said, all right, you know what? You're done, Zoe. But instead, he's gracious and he clothes them and he goes, okay, now go out. There's a curse on you, but I didn't immediately kill you, so go out. Gracious. Again, God could have killed Cain and said, you know what? You killed your brother. You're done. But instead, he's gracious again. And he goes, here's a curse on you, go on. But God's word revealed the sin in Cain's life. God's word revealed what Cain had done and Cain had the opportunity to repent and, and really he couldn't escape God's word. Same thing happens when we read God's word as well. You see, whenever we read God's word, the Bible it reveals our sin. And the Bible continuously tells us to deny the flesh, deny the flesh, deny the flesh. Grow in the spirit, grow in the spirit, grow in the spirit. And in America, I don't know if you've noticed this, but in America, it's almost like, hey, worship your flesh, worship your emotions, worship what you think, worship yourself. 
You are the best compass of your own life. But you see the Bible is really radical again and it says deny your flesh, deny your flesh, deny your flesh and live in godliness. Live in righteousness with humility and with love. And then, again, just reading the story and processing it, whenever we read the Bible, it nourishes our soul. Now, I don't know about you, but after Christmas time, we're pretty good at feeding our bodies. I don't know how many of you ate tamales or pozole or steak or mashed potatoes or what, what else to eat for Christmas? Noodle, what else to eat for Christmas? Turkey, ham, potatoes, I already said that, I already said that. Potatoes again, mashed potatoes, baked potatoes, broiled potatoes, cheese potatoes, potato potatoes. We are so good at nourishing our bodies but don't forget to nourish your soul. Because the word of God will last forever. And we see that in the scripture even says that itself, Mark 13, 31, that God's word will last forever. And then here's where I wanna end because I think this is what also Cain needed. Cain needed his mind and his soul and his strength to be renewed. He needed to repent before the Lord walk in obedience to him. You see, whenever we read the word of God, the Bible renews our strength in our minds. And last week, that's something we prayed for, for each other, that God would renew our minds and our strength for this year. And so whenever we read the, the word of God, that's what happens. First Peter chapter two, verse two, talks about how the word of God will grow us up in our salvation. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it, it says how God and his word transforms our minds and our hearts and how we need that and how we can interpret the world through the lenses of the Bible, through, through God's eyes rather than our own. And so as we look at this story together and as we just evaluate what we're going to do this next year together in reading the word of God, and I just, I hope that you find people around you that encourage you, that don't shame you, that don't make you feel crazy guilty. People who go, hey, man, I wanna encourage you because if you want a new mind, if you want new strength, if you want a new heart, man, that is found in reading the word of God. That is found in taking time with him because the word of God will sustain you this year. I've already had a friend whose daughter died this past week. And I just, I just wanna look at her in her eyes and say, the Lord will sustain you. Because I know that my friend is not a believer and I want her so bad to be. And I just wanna look at her and say, man, I just, I want you to have a heart of worship. I want you to know that this year God is with you. And so you need some new strength this year, a new mind, man, let's read the word together. Let's be the people who express radical obedience through simple obedience in the everyday. So let's go ahead and pray together. 
Lord, I'm so thankful for such a beautiful and, and gracious church body. Lord, thank you for how they let me fail and be sick and how they let me just love them as best as I can. Lord, thank you for how they come around our ministers and our volunteers. Thank you for how they give of their time. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen Lord, I pray that you would help us encourage one another in simple obedience of just reading your word, which in reality in the grand scheme of things in our world is just so radical. God, help us. We need you. Lord, I pray that you would give us that opportunity to grow in our faith, to grow in our salvation, to grow in our knowledge of you and magnify you to her. We are just in awe of just how great you are. Lord, I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray.